0: Welcome to Conversations with Nista, where we sit down with real people to have real conversations. I hope today's episode leaves you with an insight, an idea, a question, or a smile. Listen in. This conversation is for you. Welcome back to Conversations with Nista. Today, I'm here with Isha Patak, who is one of my social media friends and now personal friend as well.
1: Well, thank you for having me. I know we've been going back and forth for so long. So this has been a long time coming. You're also my first official like guest podcast interview. This is the first like podcast I've been interviewing on. Um, so I'm so excited. Uh, but yeah, definitely clicked off the bat. And I thought that it was only natural. Even when I was consuming your content, I was like, okay, this, this girl just seems like my vibe. I know for a fact that we're thinking the same things. We're going to make this happen. But so excited to be here. Um, I can't wait to get started and chat about what we're chatting about. Yeah, I
0: know. So, I mean, I know when we literally got on that call a week ago, we were talking about like our college experiences and what that was like. And I know you told me that you moved here in 2018 to the States. So you had just finished school in India, then you moved here and you started your college experience. So I just want to hear what that was like in terms of like your thought process, I guess. Was that always something that you wanted to do, like come to the States? Um, Was Mm -hmm. that always kind of like on the radar for you? And then What did that look like in terms of like the college selection process and actually
1: like moving
0: and and making that final jump?
1: Yeah, um, great question, because I get this asked all the time, but I actually knew that I wanted to move to the States when I was eight years old. And my fascination wasn't just with the U.S. It was with New York in specific, like a lot of people have. But when it came to the college selection journey for me. I was a little more open about it. I I, I knew long-term I wanted to end up in New York, but I wasn't like, okay, I have to go for undergrad to New York itself. So anyways, I graduated high school. um, I had really great friends and family and a great school that exposed me to a lot of resources to move abroad and have that experience. Um, Moved abroad in 2018, went to Penn State for college, um, loved every second of it. And I studied economics and political science. That also was an extension of what I was passionate about in high school, and I know you understand this because we spoke about your degrees too, but like, I think that drive I had with econ as one of my majors was really what pushed me to pick the schools that I picked. Um, Penn State specifically because it has a great economics um, program and is ranked really highly in the country. But in addition to that, I knew that Penn State was a great place for me to flourish professionally, but then also personally, because it has a huge alumni network. it has great orgs, things of the sort. I'm I'm like a Penn State brand ambassador at this point, but point is, I think it was a great stepping stone for me to get comfortable with the US um, and then kind of expand from there. So yeah, I think the reasons why I wanted to move was one, I definitely had this fascination with the US for New York specifically, but I was like long-term it's there, but short-term want to move to Penn State. I want to study economics there um, and then just have a space to grow professionally and personally. And did you like have these expectations, I guess, moving to the States and going
0: to college here? Was it like, this is what I'm expecting college to look like or anything that you were like hoping would happen or personal or professional goals like in those four years?
1: Hmm. In terms of what I expected college to look like socially and professionally. um, Yes, professionally. I think I've always been, I think the social stuff is like the juicy stuff, right? But I think professionally, I've always been very like sorted out, very headstrong. I know where I want to go. I know what my goals are, Um, whether that's with my full-time career or my side hustles. And I think a huge part of that is because that's one part of your life that's always structured, you know? Like you graduate high school, you go to college, you pick a major, you pick a job, you pick a side hustle. This is how you expand it. This is how you scale. Those are things that have quantifiable qualities associated to them. So those were the things I was really good at figuring out. I was like, before going to school, I was like, okay, I know for a fact I want to work long term in New York City, one thing done. Sophomore year of college, I was like, I know I want to do consulting because I've been in econ for a while. And I know that consulting is a perfect space for me to flex my econ and sci muscles. Okay, this is what I want to do. So that was really easy for me. Then after graduation, that expectation of, okay, I know for a fact that I'm going to have a nine to five or nine to seven and then also build something on the side. Um, That expectation for myself was always there. So that was good. In terms of social expectations though, I think I was going into it very starry eyed. Um, I think there's a huge What's a good way to put it? I think Western culture is very celebrated in India, and so when you come here, it's like you come very like starry-eyed, like kid who walks into Hollywood and all these new things and lights and fashion. And it it wasn't that it didn't like that didn't exist in Mumbai because it did, but I think a huge part of what I was fascinated with was the people. Like I was really excited to come abroad and meet people that weren't from my culture, that were different than me, that looked different, because my whole life, I've been in a majority culture, like I was part of the majority. I didn't see people that were different from me. Um, that I had a few professors that were American or Australian, but like for the most part, everyone was Desi. Um, so I think socially, I was expecting to have this life where, okay, like high school is done, leave my high school friends behind, it's time for college, like I'm going to move away, move away from all this trauma of high school, quote, unquote, trauma, because, you know, a lot of messy things can happen in high school and kind of start afresh. And I expected to really find my best friends forever in college, which in some ways I did. But I think that the entire experience definitely taught me that I, I think it made me more grounded in my roots and identity, one of being Indian and also two of the people I have in my life. And that sense of confidence in my own identity isn't something that I expected to develop in the four years that I was there.
0: Mm, wow. What do you think really contributed to that? Was it like specific social situations where you were really like seeking to make friends or seeking to be both like part of some kind of community or have this sense of belonging? And like perhaps that, that sense of expectation was rattled or was it like more so in extracurriculars, more so at like personal events, more so in like the
1: classroom setting, I guess, what in what situations did that come out more? I think, so I've always been very comfortable in the professional and academic setting. And that was something I was really proud of for myself. I think, okay, I think this ties really well to my story growing up too. So I was bullied and when I was younger, as a a lot of the bullying that I experienced was on my physical appearance so for me the way I looked at it was okay if I'm getting bullied about the way I look the one thing I can't get bullied about is the grades I get or the way I am professionally or the things that I'm talented with you know or like my extracurriculars so I really set myself up well in those aspects of life um, and because of that I think that when I went into Penn State too that was one thing nobody could make me question like I knew I was good with numbers. I knew I was good with my classes. I, I knew that I was a sponge and I wanted to learn more. So mm-hmm. I was very confident, not just, I was confident, not just in professional and academic spaces or extracurricular spaces, but I was okay to fail because I knew that it didn't say something about myself, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I knew that just because I failed in those aspects of life, once or twice or got that D or something that it didn't mean that I was poor. It just meant that I I messed up a grade, like it happens, you know? Personally, though, I think completely different story and there was a lot of conflict there. One thing I think that really shaped that for me was that even in India, when I spent where I spent the last two years of high school in Mumbai, um, I had a lot of friends that were from different countries but settled in India, so they had a very different accent than I did. And for me for a little bit I got mocked about the accent that I had and they were like it's too strong and like it's too Indian like nobody said it directly in these ways but the subliminal messaging kind of almost made me embarrassed to have that accent so starting in high school one was socialization right I was just around people that had completely different accents all the mm-hmm. time yeah that. but then going and, and into- I don't mean
0: to interrupt but this is high school in Mumbai
1: this was high school in Mumbai, yeah. Got so, it. And
0: so, like, just so I can familiarize myself, like, we, when you say you were around so many different accents, is that people almost putting it on or because they're from different places in India coming
1: to Mumbai? They were different places in India, all Indian, but grew up in different countries like America or Canada and then came to I
0: India.
1: See. So, uh, oh, so they came to India for high school, which is interesting because it's not even college, it's for high school. No, so they had families that grew up, where they grew up abroad, and then their families moved back to India. Got it. Um, so Okay. So all my friends grew up abroad when they were younger right oh so wow had... so your, yeah. your high school friend group
0: like had grown
1: up outside of India yeah like very diverse like one of my best oh, friends um, grew up in Canada one of them grew up in Florida um, just... I had a friend who grew, was born in Russia grew up in Dubai like very, very diverse yeah all over the place so when I explained to people that I was naturally around a lot of like a diversity of accents people don't understand but it was yeah that took me I, know, so I was like I need a pause here right now. like wait a second um, no but that's true so that's kind of what it was and so I think for me that one was I wouldn't say ashamed I was never ashamed of it but I think subliminally I started understanding that okay if I have an Indian accent does that mean that people are going to make fun of me and not take me seriously so when I came into college when I was in the minority and now realize that Penn State being a predominantly white school that I was one of the few, if not the only women from my country, um, that my accent was something that really made me more self-conscious. So going into social situations, I was really aware of the fact that I wanted people to take me seriously. And for some reason, I thought that they wouldn't if they heard my Indian accent, which is not true by the way at all. Um, But that was kind of the messaging that I grew up with. So that was one part of it that I think kind of made me a little, I don't want to say introverted because I've always been an extrovert, but I think it made me more conscious in social situations. Um, the second part of things that made me really conscious in social situations was the fact that I slowly started to realize that the things that I enjoy aren't the things that most people in college enjoyed and that scared me because I was like, bro, like if I'm moving away from my own country and I don't find friends here, does that mean that nobody in life ever is going to be my type of friend? Um, Which is not true at all. Now that we've graduated college, I know for a fact that you can also speak to that experience. Like we have people that we find and we fit with, right? It's just college isn't always the best place to find people with those similar interests, even though people really tell you it is. So I didn't find people who understood the way I spoke, the way I think, the way I think, um, my interests. Uh, and I made a few friends that were like my best friends. But I think that that divide um, and that's that consciousness that I kind of developed over the years really contributed to me feeling very like internally confused in social situations and exhausted and drained so I never really felt like I truly fit in like I on paper I had this like big friend group but like in honesty I had like five friends that I liked a lot you know but for the optics of it it looked like Isha had friends which was like okay I don't know about that you know this is where I'm really excited to dive deeper because it's like
0: what did those specific interests look like to you what were the things that like you felt like maybe it's too weird to talk about this or this is how I feel or people are not going to understand like talk to me about a particular like topics and we can like bounce back and forth on this because this was the entirety of my experience as well and like I think that's how we bonded on the phone call a week ago but yeah what did that look
1: like for you? Yeah I, I want to hear from you because I think it's so interesting to hear from people that have that that are like we're the same ethnicity but grew up in different countries so like that's so interesting to me too Um, but I know one things we one of the things we connected on was our mindsets That's something I didn't connect with people with a lot because my way of thinking about the world and consuming um, experiences or going through life was very different and is very different. Not that it's better or worse, like different people. function But for me and for you also, I think from the conversations we've had is that um, believing and rooting myself in my energies and being really mindful of, the decisions and habits I'm making in my life, but also the people I surround myself with is something that I was very, you know, hell-bent on. Not in just a perspective of who's doing this and that, but more like internally, okay, like energies, vibes. Um, I really, truly believe in the power of thought in words like I have been really practicing not saying things I don't mean because if you say it you're manifesting it there's a lot of frivolous talk around manifestation as a concept and a lot of people just think it's kind of like sitting and like like let me hope and pray for what I want and so people almost look at it and not take it like don't take it just seriously but that was a huge part of my thinking because I came from a family where I had my parents really like support me in that thinking and create that space because they've always been like, Isha, like your energy is important. Like you, especially my mom, she's like, what you put out there is like, you know, you need to yeah. be mindful. You can't your, your life and your reality is your thoughts and your words because it's yeah. just your perspective, right? Um, and that idea of if I got a D on a test, me saying, okay, there is a deeper learning in this didn't sit well with a lot of peers that I interacted with because it was easy to look at it as, oh, she's just being stupid. It's not that deep. She just got a bad grade because she didn't study. But for me, it was more like, OK, well, one day is fine. But if I'm consistently like if I ever got like a bad grade, which a bad grade for me at some point literally looked like like an 85 and I would beat yeah. myself over. It, right. Yeah. The question Then became, OK, I don't care that I'm getting the 85 and I'm upset that this is like like not is like an a a as as opposed to like an a plus or whatever. My question then was why is that bothering me so much? Mm. And in some classes I got like uh like an 85 and I was okay with it. Then my question was but why in this class is it's not bothering me? So I really took a lot of time to understand myself and my energies and my thinking and my patterns and that informed a lot of how I started to heal because my understanding there was okay, I was really tough on myself with classes like econometrics, math, coding. But I was easy with myself with classes like psychology or English or history. Because naturally, I knew that I was good at those classes. So if I failed, I'll bounce back. But with things like math or econ, I was like, wait, if I fail, then I didn't realize that that was rooted in me feeling like I'll disappoint like my dad because he's really good in math, even though my dad has never put any sort of academic pressure on me but that was a learning moment for me because I was like I'm rooting my validation in my dad's opinion of me without his external pressure so what is that saying about me then yeah so this kind of thinking was difficult to sit down with someone and really unpack because they're going to be like girl it's just a freaking be like get over it you know but that was one thing that I felt a lot of disconnect on um and I know you, for a fact, have felt that way too. Like, is that like? Did you have that opinion as well when it came but, to that? Yeah, yeah, no. So I
0: and I almost want to elaborate on the fact that, like, when people were like, "Oh, like it's just a grade," I'm sure that, and 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 you and I both know it's yes, on paper it's a grade, but there's a trigger behind it, and so that's what we're that's what we're unpacking. It's the trigger, right? Because there's a trigger behind. So many of these things that on the surface can be marked off as, oh, but that's just a word that they said. That's just a comment that they made. That's just a, you're just going through this emotion right now. But you understand that when it's a trigger and when it's almost like, wait, it's weird that I feel this way, right? Like you have that ability to like almost identify that as a third party. So I think that's like, there's so many situations in which that can come up. I think for me, it's so, I know I've never really talked about this, but I think you talking about your experience is like allowing me to reflect back, but I almost had the opposite where I noticed that like when I did poorly, um, at least in college, I, I struggled with it in high school, When I did poorly on like an exam or a project in college. I just like, wouldn't fret about it for some weird reason. And it could just be like a horrible grade that I got. And I just wouldn't internalize anything from it. And I remember like my best friend, my freshman year of college was like very on top of it, very sophisticated, like straight A student, always did well. And I remember like her noticing my demeanor when like, I wouldn't do well. And she would like ask me like, oh, okay, how'd this exam go? And I remember making this comment once where I was like, oh, I literally failed it. And I remember like I had, and I I was very passively like,
1: okay, like it happened.
0: I was like, it happened. And she was shocked And I remember like people around me would almost bend over backwards with like school, with grades. And I think maybe this relates to what I'm now doing in my career because I always knew that my career path would be wildly unconventional. always. And I think I felt so out of place in the school system that when it didn't go well for me, I never internalized that as something about me. Like at least in college, I didn't. I, I did when I was younger. I definitely, it was a whole different conversation in high school, but in college, I- remember it being like there was like a voice in my head that was like nista this isn't what you're meant to do i didn't know how to tell people because i didn't even know what that looked like like so many people are already building out their businesses or whatever in college i didn't start any of this until after i graduated so like i had no idea back then that like i'd be doing podcasting speaking whatever right like i just had this feeling that it would be unconventional and i'd figure it out down down the road and so that for me was like something that i didn't know how to tell people because i would see my friends like hell-bent on like their grades and their schools. And I like, I remember just being like, is there something wrong with me? Because I don't, I'm not that type A about school. Mm -hmm. But I see how I operate in my personal business and in my networking and in my like, in my branding. And I'm so like, so type A and so on top of it because I'm so deeply in love with it and so passionate about it. And so that was something for me that I'm like, I don't know how to tell people that like, I just don't care because I know that like, my path is innately so different. Like I didn't know Mm -hmm. how to express that. I think I didn't even understand it fully to myself, but looking back on it, that's what made me feel very lonely throughout college where I'm like, yes, I'm doing this neuroscience degree on paper. I'm doing the psych degree on paper. You could think I'm some intelligent person. And like, I do think I am intelligent very much like in adapting different things and learning styles and like different skills throughout life. But like, on paper, I didn't really care to be book smart. I didn't really care to like have those grades. And I never had perfect grades because I think I never cared to even put in the time to be that type A because something in me wasn't clicking with the entire system. And like that's what made me feel so deeply alone throughout my
1: experience. Yeah. Your experience, I'm like, wow, I almost had the inverse of that. Yeah. Which is which is true also because like one part of it is that mindset. But I think the people that I'm most connected with that have this mindset are usually people that have that like knowing but now you're putting it into words and I'm like oh wait that's exactly what it is because it's like even when it's at work or if it's like with school or like social situations or not there's a thing about going through life and at the back of your mind just having this like just you just know yeah and I don't know how to explain it unless it's with someone who I've developed that relationship with and I'm sure you relate to this but a lot of times I'll call my best friend and we'll just be on FaceTime doing absolutely nothing and I'll be stressed about something and then I'll look at her and be like I know I'm stressed but you know like you know like I just you know I know and she was like no I know Isha like I I I hear you and so I feel like for me that was that disconnect of like I agree with you like that that knowing was a huge part of it because it's like one is you you want to You want to morph into what other people want you to be, right? So you almost disown your identity or your mindsets or your calling, right? Um, And you quiet that down because it's easier to keep it quiet when there's a room full of people telling you to do something else. But I think when you look at a system, whether it's academic or um, like the corporate world we're in today or whatever it is, right? Any system has a way to kind of make you feel like... tied down to conformity. And if, if you don't, you're weird or you're odd. And and yeah. I think we're two perfect examples of one, a person who wants to leave this system and be a part of another one. And then two, a person who wants both systems, but wants to like combine it and make it something that's like their own. So just very interesting because I think the mindset thing is a huge part of it. But I, I generally think that's it. Like I didn't connect with people because we had different mindsets. They didn't understand how I thought about life and. Mm. I didn't have time for small talk, and I never liked small talk, but yeah. Okay, that's another thing that I want
0: to touch on too, is do you ever feel unseen for how deep you can get with people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I feel like for me is that I'm so good with the extroverted side of things, and I am like very extroverted, and that's definitely, I'm more extroverted than introverted. Um, So I think that that experience for me definitely makes it easy for me to like turn on and off really quick. Mm-hmm. but sometimes like you mentioned earlier like I forget that I don't for me it's not like okay like yeah I can like I have a personality that's like noticeable in a room but my thing is I don't want to go out anymore bro and I'm like why do I not want to go out like why don't I why do I want to stay at home and like read and why would i rather like build this and like is everything like am i a normal 23 year old? all my friends are going out and partying am i supposed to so that disconnect definitely exists because it's like am i too old for my age like you yeah. know am i am i too wise which first of all i i have a whole like like a bone to pick with that whole phrasing of you're never too wise for anything like you can't compare your mindset to age because age is time and you can't really put yourself in the confines confinement of time right but like I've always I agree like struggled with but why am I not too keen to go out or like why am I okay with like staying back now especially after graduating college like in the college in college I did the whole thing I did the whole 360 you know parties went out I graduated and I was like bro I know I moved to New York and the city's popping and it's great But for me, the hustle of the city is what brought me here. So if I would rather stay after my nine to five, finish work and then grind my ass off in my room to 20 years down the line or five years down the line, say I built this empire and this is how I'm okay with missing out on a few social like invites like that's okay to me. Um, So I went from definitely being like confused about it to now I own it. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to go out anymore. I I don't want to go to this club. I maybe I will push laser attack to another time this week. Um, you know, and it's okay, and I really, truly prefer those one-on-one conversations and connections way more than 24/ seven group settings. I think, like, yeah. even as an expert, I'm just in that point in life where I think energies, like my energy is I, I don't want it everywhere. I'm very yeah. like I want to be more centered and calm, and I like having those personal relationships that are just good for the soul. yeah um, so yeah, that's kind of where i'm where I am in life right now when I asked you that question, I remember being told this by someone too, of like, you're, you're just kind of boring. You're just, too intense. Or you're too yeah. intense for someone.
0: Yeah. Sometimes it's just like, oh, am I boring? And I have to be more goofy or I have to be more silly.
1: I, that's been something to navigate. And I think that's something also that goes to a lot of that is socialization and like the play of femininity, right? In society, like you're expected to be this fun, frilly, like, girl who like doesn't care about life and everything's fun and like giggling and laughing and, feminine traits aren't just light you know you have very dark intense um subtle nuances there too that people don't really address in media unless it's painted in a very grungy like we've been television right and it's almost like you have to be this or that like i can't be fun fresh and uh, funny and then also be deep mortified about life and then like intense and all these traits that are feminine like emotional or sensitive or in touch with certain aspects of, their, of our lives like it's automatically been labeled as something that's negative right nobody says you're too in- intense they're always like you're too intense like the tonality uh, of it is so different so I think that's definitely something that's that's interesting you'll see like on social media you'll see the dark feminine and then you'll see the soft
0: feminine yeah. you see that a lot but like the actual conversation of how those the dark aspects can seem kind of negative unless it's portrayed as oh how to use your dark femininity in an alluring way in a seductive mm-hmm. unless it's portrayed as a tool it's like, oh, you're you're a little
1: too emotional. And I think it's such a problem because we we didn't, we weren't born with this thinking. We were taught it, right? Because why isn't it okay that those traits are feminine to you? Like those are feminine traits. Like who is to put a gender on wanting to build something up of yourself? Say to yourself, I don't want to get think about like relationships till I'm thirty. Get married later. Have kids. In. Who is to say that that's masculine or feminine, right? And that in and of itself is the issue at hand. And so for me, I used to think. I want to have my job and I want to have my brand and I want to have my business and I want to be successful. And then I'd be like, wait, but I can't also say that I want to be a mom by 30. Like that's not possible. Right. Except now I've come to the point where I was like, no, I want these things and I want that. And if there's anyone to do it, it's going to be me. And so then that's where then our knowing and our sense of, okay, like I'm detaching from this stereotype. I'm detaching from this identity that's been placed on me. Has been really empowering for me, and I think college taught me a lot of that I think I was perpetually in a in an environment of I felt like I wasn't accepted, so I decided to take ownership of that identity and really build on from there, which has been really cathartic and empowering for me, I think.
0: yeah that's beautiful of like you can have both and that's okay, and I think that's something too in today's society is like most of people going to the extreme extremes of things like the black yeah and it's like it's like being comfortable with the gray area or being comfortable with like the coexistence of two things that you might not be seeing commonly, but why can't you be the one
1: creating that? I was going to say, and I think it can be extremes, right? Like you're right. It's like you're finding that middle ground between the West and the East, but it's, it's also that within yourself, how do you want that compass to look and how do you train your mind over the years? Do you tell yourself, because at the end of the day, it's all about your inner child, right? Like it's, that voice inside you and your soul trying to achieve whatever level of self-actualization that looks like and whatever karmic cycles you have to go through and so for you it's kind of like are you quite like making that voice quiet every single time it comes up and saying no like I don't want to do this I'm gonna like you know keep pushing the side of myself down or do you find a way to also bring it up to the surface and say how can it be equal um because it's like yin and yang right like there's like masculine and feminine and everyone like there's a balance there so you can't swing on either ends, like I know if I gave up everything to become a mom, that's not going to make me happy. But at the same time, if I give up motherhood down the line to do only work, that wouldn't make me happy either. So it's kind of like, I know we're using that as an example of like being masculine or feminine. I think that was really important for me. And I think that's where um, I've come to now in life where that knowing of also in good time, everything will come. But right now, my focus needs to be in the now. And what's in the now is me trying to navigate what's going on in my external environment. And how can I change it? Not by changing anything externally, but how can I change something inside me to then make myself more comfortable with the environment I'm in right now? Because you can't control things and you can't control life or people or shit that happens. It's more like, how can I think about this differently to make my life and my journey easier? So I think that's also definitely the path I've been on, which has made me more comfortable with either not fitting in anymore, or even when I fit in, having managed expectations about the fact that this is not forever, everything is temporary. Just because you feel like you fit in right now doesn't mean like you're going to feel like that forever. And that's okay. I start treating myself like my own friend. Like if there is a second where I feel like, oh, I'm lonely and like you know I'm something's wrong I don't have people I'm like no you don't you have yourself so Mm -hmm. what can I do right now that I would if I was hanging out with a friend so if I'm sitting out in my room and all my friends want to go out and then I don't want to go out and I feel the sense of FOMO instead of feeling FOMO I'll be like okay I decided to actively not go out with my friends what would I do if my friends decided to hang out with me in my way so that usually involves like going for a walk taking myself on a date like going getting myself frozen yogurt like calling my like family, um, yeah. that's the thing that I would do, like finding that comfort in being alone. Cause you're, you are going to be alone even when you have a family and kids, even when you don't want it, right? So then the question isn't how can we be less lonely? It's how can we be, a, be more comfortable being alone? Um, and I think for me in those moments of like crippling anxiety, I'm like, everything's going wrong. I usually just take a second. I put on a guided meditation. I calm down. I really just center myself. And then when I don't act from a place of emotional, like vulnerability, I I do things with myself that I would do with a friend because I want to find that friendship and connection within myself. Um, it doesn't matter if you don't fit in outside, right? It's about like how much of the puzzle pieces are you putting together internally?
0: I also think that people now too, especially this ties back to you talking about manifestation and how it's portrayed Mm -hmm. and it's so frivolous. The reason I think manifestation as a term has even popped off in the Western community is because we're looking for that completion outside of ourselves. People are seeing it as a spell. And always, I always talk, I'm like, manifesting isn't a spell. I I always practice my time because in the Gita, law of attraction is always very much talked about as an internal thing. Trade Krishna is very much talking about you doing these acts of service for the goodness of the world and therefore all the byproduct of that is going to be your own fulfillment in different aspects of your life it's almost like a quantum manifestation but the way the western community has translated that is oh do the five six nine whatever method and like will happen to you and this will happen right like so many people are like oh my gosh you talk about law of attraction so you must have read the secret and i remember reading the first chapter of the secret and being like something is wrong not that it's not correct not that it's not correct, not that it it can't work because I have friends who have tried the rituals in the secret and it has worked out for them. There is there is energy and, and reality to that. I always kind of say selfish manifestation versus selfless. I, that's how I distinguish it. And so I've had so many clients come to me and be like, help me manifest this guy. Help me do affirmations to manifest this person. And I literally explicitly say, I don't do that. I will not help you with that. I will help you with your own self-love and the byproduct of that will be an aligned partner, but it might not be this person that you're chasing after. And so I'm not going to treat this like a spell. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do spell work for you. That inner completion. Like I know people who are in happy relationships who still feel lonely internally. And there are really healthy things that they very much are pursuing long term. But now that we're already having this conversation about internal completion, is what do you think? And everyone's needs are different, but when it comes to how much a partner should add to your life, what do you think is almost asking for too much? Because sometimes we do expect our partner to start completing things or to start playing all these different roles, right? Like what are your thoughts? on that or on the reality of how much should be expected from the roles that partner even plays?
1: I think the rules fall away when you stop trying to play the game. And I think a huge part of that game is, I want this and I want that. And this is what I, but what do you bring to the table? You know, like I noticed myself whether it's in past relationships or friendships or like relationships also specifically where in the moment I was complaining so much And then I look back at it years later and I was like, oh, wait, I wasn't being, I thought I was being a good partner, but I wasn't, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I think what I mean by let the rules of the game fall away is because a lot of times we think this chasing, this back and forth, this let me manifest my perfect husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, comes because you're looking, like you said, for that person to fit in and like morph into the same circle that you're a semicircle of right now for me i realized that i don't want that for me i for me i don't want someone i don't want to depend on someone to be complete and this is also something that i think this is just a general social consciousness i think we're slowly coming to is that you don't need someone to complete you you don't yeah. need someone to do yeah. the things that you think you do so for me it's like how can i be whole in my most authentic way learn how to navigate my own healing learn how to um, self-regulate my own trauma so that when the, when the perfect person comes or is in my life, then I can be like, I don't need you to fix anything for me. I need you to just like hold my hand and be there, yeah. you know? And what life looks like, and I have a lot of friends in really successful relationships and I think what they do really beautifully is none of their lives have changed. There's just something additional to it. And I think that's yeah. what a relationship looks like because it isn't two people completing one half, like one big shape shifting circle. Mm-hmm. It's more like two weight halves coming together. So yeah. now instead of having one powerhouse, you have two powerhouse, houses under the same okay. roof. So yeah. for me, if you're asking for rules, my question then is instead of focusing on the rules, how much of like self-reflection are you really focusing on? Because mm-hmm. when you talk about, or finding that, like, you know, everything falling into place and manifesting it. Sure, some part of it is things getting manifested, but what we don't realize, we just think we snap fingers and things come across. It's not true. It's that when you go through those things and rituals with manifestation, you're turning your internal compass around you yourself are becoming more positive internally. And so what you notice in the world is going to be more positive as a result of it. So it's kind of like confirmation bias. And the game is really in our heads. Like what we look for is what we get. If I look for like the sad stuff, I'm going to get the sad stuff. Very simple example. The other day I was doing a guided meditation while walking and I decided to fixate on trees for some reason. And I don't know how this has never happened. I saw like eight people walk by holding plants in New York City. And this is just like, this is so weird. Like I've, And I'm sure those people walk around everywhere anyways because it's New York City and everyone's carrying plants. It's fine. Like people have houses they're moving things around from. But that was when I noticed it. So for me, it's like, it's confirmation bias. What you tell yourself and how you think and navigate your own world is what's going to show up for you. So if you want to mimic that completeness and wholeness, how can you, the only way to find it then is to feel that way in yourself. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, you're not going to say, what are my expectations and what am I looking for? And What is this and what is that? Because it's like, won't exist like you will just flow and I think that like that state of flow is the most important and I think it's just a question right like it's you're one question away from the answer and my favorite question to always ask myself is why anything I do why do you want to do this why are you thinking this way why is this a trigger why do you feel like this why are you comparing yourself and the second you ask like it's one simple question why you're going to run away from it for so long Mm -hmm. because oftentimes we don't face those inner demons or battles or whatever it is um but I think it's right, and like that self-reflection and understanding is only gonna come when you ask yourself those questions.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I think that's just a great place to leave our audience with today is start with that one question
1: and see where it takes. Mm-hmm. Cause that's exactly. gonna be
0: its own murky, cool, Roden-
1: cool. itself. Exactly. Yeah. Like it's a small word, but you're going to go a ways with it because like this conversation, I think it takes you in ways. We started off, I remember when we had our initial conversation, You're like, okay, we're going to talk about college and we want to like unpack that experience. It went from that to something that's completely unrelated. (laughs) That's similar to how journaling works. So if you just sit down and you ask yourself those questions, you're going to get answers that you didn't expect to get. Um, And that's the most important part of it. This was yeah such a cool conversation, Isha. I will let you also drop your
0: social handles so people can go find yep. you and reach out and reach out and listen to your podcast as well, which we're doing an episode on next week. So
1: I am so excited, and that conversation is actually kind of an extension of this. So I would say this is kind of like a part one to that part two. Yeah. But yeah, I'm so grateful that you had me on, and this has been such a good conversation. Um, if you follow me on Instagram or TikTok. Um, should I get my ads here or do you just wanna link it? You can just drop them and
0: I'll link it too as well. You can I just send them really quickly okay. if you want.
1: Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll drop them for you then. Um, so if you want to find me on my podcast, it's called Turn Off The Ringer. And the Instagram page for that is at Turn Off The Ringer Podcast. I'm so passionate about it. Um, you can also find my personal Instagram from there, which kind of is an extension of all my other work, including my mentorship platform that I officially launched last week called Help Me Help You. And I will also be giving my first workshop in New York City on June 20th. So if you're in town, oh I would love to there. Yes, we, I know. Yeah. I know. We'll be there because i literally dropped this before we got on this call and i was like wait i'll tell her but after it'll be so fun um, But I'm-
0: okay let's text about this because I like- to run to- i'm very interested in that um yes. text you about it after but um thank you so much again isha like i mentioned everything will be dropped in the text box below so people can go reach out to you work with you listen to your podcast sign up for the workshops and yeah i'm really excited for part two so everyone go follow both of our podcasts, leave a review and stay tuned for the second episode. Thank you guys. And I'll see you all in the next episode.
1: Bye guys.